Welcome everyone uh, to another episode of White Line Fever Kicks, the rugby league specific show from the White Line Fever brand, stable, whatever we want to call it. My name's Steve Mascord. This is a, um, a special episode where we're just going to update you on some recent happenings that affect, I guess, Northern Hemisphere Rugby League mainly, uh, and International Rugby League. And the first is a, a, a media conference, a, a press briefing that uh, the former South Sydney and Penrith Chief Executive Shane Richardson conducted at the end of last week, uh, where he briefed journalists in the UK about his um, uh, proposal that an independent commission uh, run the sport in this country. It's going to be a hard sell. It's, uh, it's because it basically involves everyone on the uh, RFL board and the Super League board surrendering their power. But um, anyway, let's have a listen to what Shane said right at the start, um, just to um, outline. Um, it was, I guess it was a long answer to the first, and there was no question. Um, it was just a statement of intent from Shane about um, exactly what his idea is. All right, look, look, the reason I've done this is about four or five months ago, I put together a paper um, about the value of the English game and, and how I thought it was greatly valued and how it needed to be tied into what we need to do with our international calendar so that we actually have a, a, a viable um, a worldwide rugby league to be able to sell to, 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 to the world of sport, and et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, we've got a lot changing over here with Channel 9 and Stan, and you've got a lot changing over there. But I thought it was an opportunity to be able to outline to the Commission and, to, and through ABDO, which is who obviously is the CEO, but, you know, just what was the value of the game and what, why it's being degraded at the moment because it's just, it's a, it's a in my opinion, it's, it's, it's fragmented, it's all over the place and nothing ever ties together and nobody really takes an interest for the totality of the game. Now, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure some people do, but it just seems to me that the powers that be don't. And what I said was that nine years ago when we sat down to, to talk about putting an independent commission and people will say the RFL is that they're not. Because when the independent commission came in, no one from the ARL, from anywhere else, had, had, to be, could have, had been before they could be considered to be a commissioner. So all the commissioners who came on board were totally and utterly independent from what they were. And they came from with a diversity of personalities, from Chris Sara, from the Indigenous world, from you know the whole range of the commercial world and going through, even from an ex-AFL commissioner who actually brought a lot of knowledge into the way they set up the AFL commission, which took over 10 years to actually become what it was. So in nine years in Australia, we set up a, a structure in place where the clubs did not control what was the day-to-day running of the, and decisions could be made about the betterment of the game. Now, there's time to time that politics isn't getting, but it's not perfect. But what is perfect is that we're presenting for the 17th team. I'm involved with the, uh, the, the, the bid for that here from Brisbane. And we're presenting tomorrow to the ARLC, which has an Indigenous barrister, to a, to, to, a, to a woman who's a, a, a magnificent lawyer and, and cultural icon in Australia, and to Peter Beattie, who's the ex-head of the Labor Party in Queensland. That's the sort of independence that we have to... And so they are going to make the decision, coupled with the rest of the ARC board, about what's going on. You would not be able to have that there because no-one's willing to sit down and say, hang on, let's put the egos aside. You know, this thing about, I love the game. Yeah, you love the game. You're loving it to death. And, and if you don't sit down and put the egos aside, change the way the structure is, put things in close, two things will happen. First of all, the game will continue to go backwards because of vested interests. And the second thing is no one is going to want to invest in the game the way it is at the moment. 
It's too fragmented every day. Some, and it's not just in the AFL. You know, you get this bullshit from the North American guys. We've got no money whatsoever. But the minute they come up and put it in there, and everybody gets excited, and then it collapses because there's nothing. There's no substance to it all. You want to do expansion? We're doing expansion with, with for example, with if we get in from the fireworks, we don't get less television money. We get thirty and a half million dollars, the same as everybody else. There's no, there's no, if we want to expand, we're going to invest in expansion and do it the right way. You want to expand by giving them less money. You can't do that. But that's a decision that's got to come from the top. And the reason you give less money is because clubs are just about surviving and take money for doing it. And I understand that. I love Wakey. I love Cass. I love all that. But at the end of the day, what are you doing about creating a game that people will want to invest in? No one wants to invest in the game at the moment. So my idea was to go to the, to the NRL and talk to them about what I thought the game was valued about, talk to them about the characters in the game, and I don't really want to release till Steve's seen it, but, you know, I, I was honest about the characters in the game and their strengths and their weaknesses, and, and, and talk to them about how you take it to the next level and what you need to do. My part of it was that I believe, this is what I believe in, it doesn't mean that everybody should believe in it, but if you don't start somewhere with talking about what you think, how are you going to build on it? You can change it any way you want it, but how are you going to build on it? So my belief was you had a 10-team competition. You had eight teams which you put into the competition that weren't necessarily the eight teams that you would not logically put in from the old school, but you put, but you put them in on the basis of what television would want. In my opinion, they would want somebody in Newcastle. Uh, you know, the Wales would be something that would be valuable. And two teams externally, whether there's two from France straight away or whatever you want to do, obviously Toulouse and Catalan. But at least you've got something to sell. Now, the argument on those guys is simple, isn't it? They don't have to give you any money back for the TV. Why would you, if you were a French, why would you invest in some business like this? But if you had a plan that you could go them with what this was going to look like in the long term, you would get interest from television. If you had the backing of the NRL to assist with those sort of negotiations, you would get assistance from people to want to invest in it. You've got to have promotion and relegation, one only, but I agree with that. But what we did in Australia was we'd set up a really confident second tier, the Intra Super Cup, which is an outstanding competition in both New South Wales and Queensland, which is a great feeder system. And underneath that, we had a third tier, the Ron Massey Cup, which is not a great feeder system, but it allows for the participants to be involved. And we really got heavily involved in the pathways, particularly the 15s, 17s, 19s, etc., and invested money in it. So you've got state of origin at that level and all sorts of things. So we not only decided that we were going to invest in what we're doing at the top, we decided we were going to invest in the second tier, and it, it's still semi-professional, but it's a lot better than it was. And we decided that we were going to invest in our pathways and what we're doing. From that, you've got something to sell. So now all of a sudden our pathways uh, is on television. Yeah, the Intrust Super Cups on television, on Fox and on, on and what's the name. Whereas before we'd have to pay for it to be on. Um, uh, the NRL is feed, it uses those clubs as feeders in the sense that, you know, Cronulla's tied to Newtown, you know, uh, uh, Easter tied to, uh, to, uh, to North. You can keep going on with this. And, and uh, Canberra's tied to Mounties, and they're all playing a strong second-tier competition. But there was a lot of heartache to doing that, and people changed things, and we were going to do this, and we're going to put our own three teams in. And then they realised that for the betterment of the game, they should be supporting the teams underneath. My point about all this is they were decisions that were made without necessarily everybody agreeing with them. 
You know, and to get people, and you think you've got challenges with Ian Lanigan and, and so, these other guys over there, you try and get, you know, South and Sydney, Sydney City to sit down and talk about things together. We've hated each other for 110 years. But, you know, when you sit down, when you really talk about what you need to do to the game, because the other point is, people like Nick Pilates didn't become multi-millionaires by not making smart decisions. He saw that the game was stagnating and we needed to change things in the game to make it better. So he was willing to give up the power he had with the ARL, the power he had to say, OK, I'm willing to invest in this and we are willing to go along with it. To get people like that to do that is historical in itself. Yes, and they're still whinging and bitching. That's rugby league. Otherwise, you guys wouldn't have a job if you couldn't have people whinging and bitching each other and smacking each other over the head with a fish. That's the game, but the reality is the game has got truly independence in it. Also, what it's allowed us to do is to develop, because of those pathways, Tonga, Fiji, New Zealand, etc. to an extent now where test matches that could never have happened before, where we're releasing players to play in test matches and they've decided to stick with their own countries, etc. The game has never flourished more in the South Pacific. Because we've invested and got involved. We've got a Fiji team playing in the third tier this year, and that'll grow over the, over the period of time. The next team that'll expand will be in New Zealand. So, 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 but these are plans you put in place for three to five years, and you have a plan, and then you sell that plan to your corporates, to your sponsors, to, to, corporate, to your fans, and more importantly, let's be honest, to television. But you guys have got nothing to sell. Honestly, they don't sit there and tell you what. And I love Wigan, and I love Saints. I do. My whole life, I've sat up every all night to watch the Challenge Cup, and I've, I've been in rugby league all night. And I talk with a passion from this, not because I don't, I'm not making any money out of it, but it makes me sick to the guts to think that the, the game is going to go backwards at the rate it is. And you can't tell me it's going forward. Individual clubs will argue that, but you and I, we both know that's not the case because four or five clubs can't make the difference. The difference has got to be at the higher level. So the paper was put together. We put it into the, to Abdo at the NRL. He's got a few things on his plate, like the 17th team, which we've got the final things on on Monday, a whole other thing. But it sits there in people's baskets. And, and I don't, as Steve knows, I don't go... You know, I did all, a lot of the rule changes, which we put to the NRL 18 months ago. And 18 months, that cha- we put together... A pro- There's no money in it for me to do that. And some people might say the rule changes aren't right, but we had to make those changes because of concussion. We were all going to go broke from being sued. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is you've got to drive this. And I'm sick of sitting on my ass here talking to people, so-called power brokers over there, talking to them about what's going on, but no one wants to sit down. They need to sit down in a room like we did in the RLC, sit down as clubs, put on the whiteboard what we want, and have smart people like Nick Pappas and lawyers who love the game putting it together and we based a lot of it, by the way, 90% of it we based on the AFL, AFL commission. So we stole... I've never had an original idea in my life, but I can steal the best and make them work. And that's, and that's all we did. We stole the AFL's ideas and then tailored it to rugby league. There's no reason you can't steal our ideas and tailor it to the English game. I'm not saying that, that we've got all the, all the answers. What I am saying, though, we put a lot of time and money into it and we would have no qualms about assisting you with it. So why wouldn't you get from the world's greatest competition at the moment, why wouldn't you look for those assistants? The problem you've got is so fragmented. When people talk to Andrew Abdo, talk to the NRL, Ralph Rimmer will talk to him from the RFL, somebody else will talk to him from the Super League, they don't even know who they're from charge. They wouldn't even know. So all I'm trying to say to you is that 
I don't know how, unless people sit down. And, but the problem is they're going to love the game to death because you're not going to grow up in the areas you should be growing it in. And just to finish this off, a couple of grabs from the coaches, Sean Wayne for England and Tim Sheens uh, for the Combined Nations All-Stars after the latter scored a surprise, I think to most people, 26-24 win at Warrington on Friday night. And um, the only other thing I want to add is please look at the show notes because there's plenty of links there and uh, there's ways that you can support uh, this content. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show as well. Okay, bye. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I am the worst loser in the world. But the toughest was shown, you know, with adversity of losing the players and, um, you know, we'll still being there at the end. I thought it was a great effort, just, just a little dumber times myself. I don't worry about things. Um, whatever happens will happen. Um, I'm, I'm really open. It will be on. I'm sure it will. Um, so my way of thinking is just optimistic. Everything's going to be on. Things are getting better, and um, you know we crack on with our preparation. Oh, we'll still train as many times as we can per month. You know, with the layers and with the, with the club teams like we have been doing, and um, you know so. As things happen, as far as I'm concerned, we start in October and we meet again with the players tomorrow, then next month. Yeah, it's not it's not frustrating. It's um, it's it's life. You know, it's it's been that way with everything. And at the end of the day, we're you know we're a sport, a pro sport. But, but you know, the thing what's happening around the world, it's it's minor what we're going through. Yeah, well, it was a tough week from day one. You know, sorting the side out. Uh, I think we went into camp on the Monday and we still only had 14 players. So, but uh, credit to England. I mean, I think losing Lomax and Wormsley didn't help their chance. I, and I would say we would have been in a bit of trouble had both boys played. So, yeah, I, I give England credit for it. But I just hope we gave them a good game. And uh, obviously, Sean wouldn't be happy about losing. But by the same token, um, you know, um, I think the best English side is yet to come. They're a pretty tight bunch. You're in there dancing in the dressing room now. Might have changed, obviously, we'd lost the game. However, in saying that, um, they've been close all week. Uh, two training sessions. The week went very, very fast because they're such a great bunch. Uh, the Village Hotel were great to us. Um, worked out really well, the camp. Um, and a special thank you to Warrington, too, for letting us train on their oval and looking after us. So... Um, all in all, all in all, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was a, when I say a great spectacle, I don't know about it being a great game. However, it was a very close game and very spirited. We finished with 15. Um, so we were struggling a little bit for numbers. We didn't carry a back and, you know, we had to use uh, Kenny Edwards as, a, as an outside back. But to their credit, they just they filled in and did the job. Um, but I, I think they performed well, you know, I mean... Um, Again, it was a it was a bit of a, a two and a pro match. Yeah, the score changed uh, a handful of times, and I think Jackson Jackson led the side well. He was unofficially he was co-captain, but unofficially the captain, and I thought he handled it well. He didn't try to overplay his hand. Um, Jake was involved, but unfortunately after that knock to the jaw, the doctor thought it was broken. He went out in the second half though. He showed how tough he is. Hopefully, it's nothing more than a. Uh, well, when I say a small fracture, that it hasn't been you know, completely broken. Um, so that'll be a bit of a wait. But uh, you know, overall, um, and, and of course, uh, Jermaine was uh, was powerful as always. You know, he certainly showed that there's plenty of kicks still left in him.
Well, I think in a World Cup year, definitely, you know, um, I think the last one before this was 13, the World Cup year, and England were unlucky not to play Australia when it's all said and done. I mean, getting beat by Sean Johnson try in the last few minutes uh, broke everyone's heart here, I know, but it, but I really, I expected to play England. I was watching the game, came back into the dressing room, said to my staff, we're, we're playing England in the final. But um, uh, so... Um, yeah, I think it's, it was well worthwhile for him. As I say, losing Wormsley and Lomax uh, took a big chunk out of him. And uh, I'm not going to say we would have got beat if they'd have been in there, but that would have been a much more potent side, I think, for those two players. 